Genesis 26. Uh, I do have 47 pages of notes tonight. Try not to belabor them too much. Um, and then, uh, Paul, we might, you know, if, be ready to go check on the, the guards. Make sure the guards are, are you know, double check what they're tuned into out there. Um, and then especially the nursery workers. Um, especially them. <laughs> um, all right, I want to I draw some lessons from the life of Isaac. Um, and, I, and I entitled it, Lessons from the Life of the One They Called Laughter. Lessons from the life of the one they called laughter. And, and Isaac, boy, he brought such joy. And, and even there was some, some, some laughing of doubt with his mother. Um, but some lessons uh, from the life of the one they called laughter. A lot of it will be some, a, a warning. Warning. Some, some things that you look at his life and say, oh, be, be, be careful about that. But um, uh, So there we are in, in Genesis 26. We'll get there in just a minute. But, but laughter... Laughter, we see uh, in Genesis 19, uh, 17, verse 19, the first part, uh, and God said, Sarah, that was Isaac's mom, uh, Sarah, thy wife, God was speaking to Abraham, shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And Isaac uh, uh, means laughter, or he will laugh, or, or he who laughs, but the idea of, of laughter, and laughter surrounded his birth. Uh, there, was, there was the laughter of doubt with his mom. So there in Genesis 18, verses 9 through 15, they, uh, this is Genesis 18, 9, they, so this is some angels that visited Abraham, said unto him, where is Sarah, thy wife? And he said, behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it from the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself. I think it, it, it might be kind of a little bit of the laughter of, <laughs> oh, God means well, but that's not quite possible now, is it? Do we ever have a, a, a laughter like that in our own lives? where, uh, oh, God means well, but. And she was going to find out there's no God means well, but. God doesn't lose track of how old we are or whatever there is, but, but there she was. Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I'm waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? Uh, and the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? Uh, saying, shall I of a surety bear a child when, uh, which am old? Is, is anything too hard for the Lord? Uh, at the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah denied. And, and maybe in her mind, it's like, I, I didn't laugh out loud. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of laughed. With, I, I don't know why she denied, how she justified it, but, but she denied, saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid and he said, nay, but thou didst laugh. And so I think there was a, a laugh of doubt. I think we see another laugh, a laugh of delight with uh, Abraham. So Abraham also laughed. Uh, so uh, back one chapter, um, and, and again, you don't have to go there unless you want to. But Genesis 17, verses 15 through 17 
Uh, so this is one chapter earlier. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, uh, her name wasn't changed yet here, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And so this is exactly where her name is changed. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be the mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old, and shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? So even Abraham laughed, and you say, wait, wasn't his a laugh of, of doubt? But it seems like it was more a laugh of delight, because the Bible tells us uh, in Romans a little bit more about what was going on in his mind. So there in Romans uh, chapter 4, verses 19 through 22, it says, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. So he didn't stumble saying, oh, God means well, but. Uh, it seems that he didn't stagger. Uh, he was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that he had what he had promised he was able to perform and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness so it seems there we kind of have a laugh of delight so sometimes you ever find yourself laughing and and uh and you you just chuckle and, and, and it's like <laughs> of course lord you're wonderful it's fun the way you do things unlike i would ever expect and so you, sometimes we have the, the laugh of, of, of doubt where, oh, oh, God doesn't realize. I mean, he means well, but, and, and let's get rid of that laugh. And it's okay. We, we, do, we do have those times of doubt at times. But here we see also a, a laugh of delight. Oh, <laughs> Lord, that's just like you. To do something so wonderful in a way that no one would expect my wife being up in years and she's going to be the mother of nations unbelievable god you're wonderful isaac was was born and and his name was uh his name means laughter laughter surrounded uh his his birth and so here in genesis chapter 26 uh, let's look at just some lessons from the life of the one they called Laughter. So here in Genesis 26, we'll go through verses 1 through 11, make some comments, and then we'll give four points, and then, and hopefully by then we'll be on page 47, and we'll be able to conclude. All right. All right, Genesis 26, 1 through 11. Now there was a famine in the land, beside the first famine. So history tends to repeat itself, doesn't it? Uh, famines had come before, and here was another famine. It's good for us to see what other people do with their famines. Avoid what they do wrong, and repeat what they did right. So what famine are you talking about? Uh, well, it says, beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac uh, went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. 
So Gerar was uh, uh, on, on the way to Egypt. So uh, uh, there's, there's the promised land. And of course, there's the, the Mediterranean. We'll say this is the Mediterranean. The promised land is right here. And then Egypt going down the Mediterranean, you'd find yourself down here in northern Africa. But on the way from the promised land down in between was Philistia. Uh, there's a, a, a Gerar. And uh, even where the, 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 the Gaza Strip is, where there, all that fighting is taking place today. Um, so he's, he's on his way, kind of he, he's heading down, uh, and, he, and he goes unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And uh, so he's on his way, getting closer to Egypt. Abimelech uh, means my father is king. Uh, so it was probably a title, uh, not his name. Um, with the longer lifetimes back then, it could have been the same Abimelech that, that Abraham ran into in Genesis 20, um, a hundred or a year, a hundred or so years previous, but it seems unlikely uh, because when Isaac kind of does the same thing that Abraham does with this Abimelech, he, this this Abimelech seems to be unaware of what Abraham had done. When times get tough, what do you do? So there was a famine, and uh, and, and, and so here here uh, Isaac is is well. Things are drying up here. Let me leave. Let me leave. So, uh, again, when, when times get tough, what do you do? Find different times? <laughs> Go somewhere else? Uh, no. But, but he did. He left where he was supposed to be in order to look after himself. He should have looked to the Lord. Um, so, uh, if God tells you to go to a new land or even to go to Egypt, you go. It is interesting there in, in Matthew 2, verse 13, that it was in God's will then. In Matthew, where, where the angel comes to, to Joseph and says, I need you to flee to Egypt. So that was different. Uh, but here, he's, he's taking matters into his own hand. And it seems like he's heading, well, he is heading toward Egypt. Um, and then God appears. So verse 2. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, go not down to Egypt. So again, the, the very fact that God says, don't go to Egypt, seems to indicate that his heart was set on heading that direction. <laughs> it's almost like God is saying, I know what you're thinking. Um, and I know when your father was, there was a famine for him, and that's what he did. But I don't want you doing the same mistake. And so I think all of us can say that. Well, in times of discouragement, my parents did whatever, thus and so. And if they did wonderful things, like they turned to the Lord, copy that. But if it was the wrong thing, don't copy that. We'll talk about that some. Uh, so, uh, so in times of discouragement... Uh, what did somebody do? Did God bless it? Was God in it? So God says, dwell in the land that I shall tell thee of. So God makes it clear, I want to take care of you where I want you. Don't live in doubt. Verse 3, sojourn in this land. Stay where I have you. Be where you're supposed to be. It's so simple and yet so important. 
and I will be with thee and will bless thee for uh, unto thee and unto thy seed I will give these countries. I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father and I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven and will give unto thy seed all these countries and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That's wonderful. Uh, there was going to be descendants from Isaac and everyone was going to enjoy the blessing from those descendants. Oh, Isaac, be where you're supposed to be. It's important, not just for you and your home, not just for you and your kids, but for everybody. For everybody. I want to, through your seed, bless everybody. It's important that you do what you're supposed to do and be where you're supposed to be. So God goes on to, to promise the region to Isaac, even as he had to Abraham. God also reiterated his promise to multiply Abraham's seed as the stars of heaven through him. Then verse 5, because that Abraham. Now here in verse 5, I want to make a, an important point. Say, don't go to Egypt. Because Abraham, and this would be a perfect time for God to say, listen, your dad messed up. Don't be like your dad. <laughs> uh, he, 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 he went down, and this would be because, because that Abraham. Well, I think it was pretty clear when, when God said, don't go to Egypt. He didn't have to explain all the reasons why. <laughs> Stay where I want you because I can bless you. But here, uh, let me say, he, he basically says, let me tell you about your dad. Let me tell you how, I, when, when I see your dad, let, let me tell you about your dad. So instead in verse 5 of saying, he messed up. A famine entered his life and he messed up. Uh, God comes to Isaac. Isaac, there's a famine in his life. He's heading the wrong direction. God comes, don't go that direction. Let me tell you about your dad. But instead of telling him his shortcomings, he said, your dad did some wonderful things. I want you to copy those. Your dad did wonderful things. Copy those. Here in verse 5, notice five things here. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice. That's the first thing, he obeyed my voice and kept my charge. That's the second thing. And kept my commandments. That's the third thing. And kept my statutes and kept my laws. Listen, every parent has positive things they do and negative things they do. Every parent in here, all of us have parents. Even those of you that are grown, you had parents there were some good things to copy. And there were some negative things to avoid. Here God says, listen, your dad had some wonderful things to copy. Copy those things. You may see your dad in a certain way, but can I let you know how I see your dad? There were some wonderful things. Copy those. God was going to bless Isaac because of his dad's obedience. There's a pattern here. Honor God. May there be generational blessings passed down. And I know that there was a unique Abrahamic covenant here. But there's the, the principle that, listen, those, those right things, what, those right things you saw in your parents, copy those. Those times of faithlessness. Don't copy those. I, I think you've probably heard people say, well, my parents, they had this weakness, which, which gives me an excuse to do thus and so. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And then, then a short verse here in verse 6. 
and Isaac dwelt in Gerar. A pretty short verse. Uh, In the land, but on the border of where he wasn't supposed to be. So I want to make a point there too. Uh, For us to be careful not to live on the edge of where we're not supposed to be. So I want to develop that a little bit. Um, Boy, um, sometimes we we, we see that. There's the temptation uh, to live halfway to Egypt. Living on the edge. Living in the borderland of where I'm not supposed to be. Somebody might say, well, we found a different church where we could enjoy Egypt and still feel like we fit in. Boy, I, there's, there's plenty of churches out there like that. Uh, verse 7. And the men of the place asked him of his wife. Ah, good. He's ready for this, right? They're like, hey, who is this woman? Who's, oh, he's prepared, right? I mean, dad messed up twice on this question. Once before Pharaoh, once before Abimelech, but he's ready, right? He's watched his dad mess up, and he just got this pep talk from God saying, your dad did some wonderful things. You know, basically copy those. So he should be all ready, right? These men come to him and says, this woman, who is she? (laughs) Oh, man, he should have learned some valuable lessons growing up in this home. He's ready, right? (laughs) All right. And he said, she is my sister. What? Did you learn nothing? When you mess up, when you take matters into your hands, when you're you're deceptive, it doesn't go well. Can't you watch your, your parents and say, oh, there's wonderful things to copy, and there are things not to copy. And when dad lies... And gets in trouble for it. That's something not to copy. For he feared to say. She is my wife. Lest said he the men of the place should kill me for Rebecca. For she was fair to look upon. So I think you single guys. The the point here is to make sure you marry someone that's not very attractive. That will, that will keep you from these problems. Um, it's too late for me. Aw, aw, okay. But, but there's still hope for you guys. Um, verse 8. And it came to pass when he had been there a long time. I just, those words, I underlined those words. They kind of just jumped out to me. It came to pass when he had been there a long time. I don't know. Here he is living on the edge of Egypt. And, and you, you, you wonder, um, why, why, why did he have a son in Esau that didn't seem to have a spiritual bone in his body? Could it have been that he lived for a long time within sight of Egypt? And something in his heart wanted to be there anyway, it seems, because God says, don't go. Holmes, living within sight of Egypt. Boy, and and, and he's deceptive here. Could it be a reason why his other son was the supplanter? 
It came to pass when he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out at a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. So we're not sure exactly what he was doing, um, but it was evident to Abimelech uh, that they were not brother and sister, <laughs> uh, because if they were brother and sister, they would have been bickering, right? Isaac, or, uh, 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 um, Titus. <laughs> Sorry, the mind goes blank. Whew. Bickering, right? Uh, like when my son comes in and says, Dad, me and, you know, me and my sister, we were playing soccer, and I had to make sure that I wasn't winning. Because if I start to win, she quits and stomps off of the, the field of conquest. Uh, can you make her come back and finish the game? <laughs> Um, but Abimelech go, looks out and he sees that uh, he's, he's uh, sporting with Rebekah, his wife. Now sporting, it seems, so Moses wrote the book of Genesis and it seems that uh, Moses is punning off of Isaac's name here. Um, he's, he's, uh, he's doing an Isaac. He's doing an Isaac or he's Isaacing. Uh, he's sporting, he's, he's laughing. In, in some way, he's Isaacing. They're, 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 having, they're, they're having fun. The, the root, it's the same root word for uh, Sarah laughed. And somehow his, his laughter betrayed their relationship. And of course, Jacob and Esau are not little. In the end of the last chapter, you know, Esau's out hunting and he comes back and, and, and that's when his brother sells him uh, some pottage for his birthright. So they're not tiny, so I don't know where they are. Jacob and Esau, if they're posing as hired help or something. <laughs> uh, so I don't know, in, the, in this whole, uh, they're, trying, they're, um, they're trying to pull, put one over on the Philistines there. And so verse 9, Abimelech called Isaac... And said, Behold of a surety, she is thy wife. How saidst thou she is my sister? In other words, it's, it's very embarrassing when the world comes to somebody that's supposed to be a believer and says, Why would you lie to me? And Isaac said unto him, Well, because I said, Lest I die for her. You know, the whole apple not falling far from the tree thing. And Abimelech said, what is this thou hast done unto us? One of the people might lightly have lined with thy wife and thou shouldst have brought guiltiness upon us. I find it interesting that this, this pagan heathen king at least had some decency built into him. They weren't animals. By the way, any decency built into any human being is it's because of the decency from the creator. In fact, Romans uh, 2, 14 and 15 do tell us um, that the conscience, that co-knowledge from, from the Latin, uh, that there's certain things that the creator, he builds certain basic knowledge of, of right and wrong into his creatures. They weren't animals. He was concerned with the guilt that it would bring on his people to be immoral with another man's wife. Boy, what does that say for our world today? where they, they try to pretend like, oh, uh, love. Once love is a part of the picture, I, I'm just helpless. Once I, once I fall in love, I mean, I mean I, you can't legislate love. I can't help be held responsible for who I love. 
when the world doesn't know what love is. It's just lust. Even the Philistines had a sense of right and wrong. Abimelech charged all his people, verse 11, saying, He that toucheth this man or his wife shall, shall surely be put to death. So what an embarrassing story here, especially when God comes in and sets Isaac up not to make the same mistake. He says, don't do this, <laughs> and then encourages him to do the right things that his father told him, and then he makes these same mistakes. Uh, I just want to give four lessons from the life of the one they called laughter. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this time we have together. I pray that we, uh, you just help me, Lord. Help me to, to get these lessons across. And, and Lord, they worked on me and I wanted to share them with my church family. I just pray to help me as I do. Be with us now. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So the first, they'll, they'll all start with L. All of these lessons. Uh, first thing, look to the Lord for leading, not circumstances. Look to the Lord for leading, not circumstances. So famine comes in, right? Famine comes in. And, and remember Toucan Sam with the, with the cereal? He was going to follow his nose, you know, wherever. He was going to follow his nose to where the cereal was or whatever it was. And here Isaac is ready to follow his stomach, right? I'm ready to follow. Well, no, no food here. Let's, let's move to someplace where there is food. And that kind of that scares me because before too long, his eyesight starts to dim, and he's still making decisions by his stomach, isn't he? He says, uh, um, Esau, come here. Go kill, you know, make venison such as I love. Seems like he's still making decisions according to his belly. Famine came, and so he's heading uh, out of where he's supposed to be heading toward Egypt. And then this isn't the way we're supposed to do it. Look to the Lord. Easier said than done. We, I think many of us would look at a story like this and say, well, of course. It's foolish just to take off. But a lot of times we'll just say, we're so pragmatic. Well, this makes sense to me, so that's what I'm going to do. It made sense to him too. And it wasn't what he was supposed to do. We need to look to the Lord, not be moved around by circumstances. In Matthew 6, verse 11, the Bible says that, that when ye pray, we should be saying, give us this day our daily bread. And at the very beginning of that model prayer, we're praying, our Father which art in heaven. As we pray that prayer, give us this day our daily bread, are our eyes supposed to be fixed on the provision or on the provider? On the provision or the provider? And if our eyes, every day, if, you, if we'll pray that prayer every day, give us this day our daily bread. Oh, I'm looking to you to provide for me. When it seems like maybe the bread isn't there. If our eyes are locked on the provision, well, where is the bread? I don't see the bread. Where is that? No, 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 don't have your eyes locked on the provision. Keep your eyes locked on the provider. I don't see any bread here, Lord, but you're right there, so I'm, I'm good. What is it that I need from you? The devil knows how to dangle his carrots out there in front of us, doesn't he? We're like, we're like that donkey, right? The donkey and the person has the, 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 the carrot dangling from the stick out there. And the devil knows how to dangle those carrots out in front of us. And, and, uh, and we'll say, I, I, I don't know, his temptation. I just can't say no. My eyes on that temptation will take your eyes off the temptation. 
Just like with the, the provision, the, the, the bread. Keep your eyes on the provider. And then with the temptation, what, take your eyes off the temptation. And what does the Bible say about the tempter? 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Yeah, you say, but that temptation, I can't say no. Get your eyes off of that and look at who's dangling in front of you. A lion that wants to devour you. Oh, Lord, help me. I want to get back to you. I remember being in in homiletics class, a, a preacher class when I was in college, and, and one of my fellow uh, preachers, uh, say, uh, same year as me, he, he talked about petting the kitty. We, we think that, oh, the, the devil's a roar. Oh, he's just a big kitty. Watch me pet him. Watch me pet the kitty. And I remember his illustration was you get, the, oh, look, look how, look how docile he is until he bites you in half. Look to the Lord for leading, not circumstances. Egypt, a picture of the world. The question sometimes, well, that will be so pragmatic, won't we? Well, when problems come up, what have others done? Well, okay. You can ask that question. Well, 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 well even my own dad, or what have others done? Well, they headed to Egypt for help. What have others done? Uh, okay, ask that question, but were they right? Did they do what God wanted them to do? If they followed God, then there's a lesson to learn and a pattern to follow. If they didn't follow God, there's a pattern there to avoid. Ask always, what does God want me to do? And then, sometimes if God says, no, don't go there, stay here. Sometimes there's a part of our heart that says, okay, I'll, I'll stay here, but it just seemed like I should be over there. And so there's a little bit of doubt that can settle in. It's like, okay, well, um, but, but if anything goes wrong, I'm, I'm, I'm blaming it on you. And you don't want to do that either. When God has the place for you to be, don't live there in doubt. Live there in faith. Because if there's doubt, if, if God says, I want you to, to raise your kids right there. Okay, well, it seems like maybe over, it seems like maybe, it seems like, and then you're raising your kids, and, and then, then your kids are sinners, so a problem comes up, and you're like, I, I knew it! I knew it! You, you, you had me there! I knew it! Oh, don't, don't raise your family in doubt. Because when problems come up, and they do, because we're sinners, you're not going to be equipped to handle it. Be where you're supposed to be in faith. You can raise your kids where God wants you to. In fact... You must raise your kids where God wants you to. The devil is the master of doubt. Uh, oh, I can't serve God. What, what, what about my kids? Uh, I, I remember this, this passage here kind of frightened me when I read this. Um, there was a, God said to Israel, I want you in that promised land. I want you in that promised land. And they said, we, we can't for the sake of the children. I can't do that because our children will be a prey. I, I, I can't do what you want me to do because of the children. And I remember reading this passage and it scared me. And Lord, help me never to use my children as an excuse not to do what you want me to do. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do and by faith raise my kids there. 
Uh, Numbers 14, 26 and following. And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear this evil congregation which murmur against me? In churches there's murmuring. There's murmuring, complaining, uh, problems. And, and it's, well, it's, it's, it's because of this church and it's because of him and it's because of murmuring. Not just submitting and following God and doing what you should by faith. Murmur against me. I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. Say unto them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number from 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless he shall not come into the land, concerning which I swear to make you dwell there, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones which ye said should be a prey. Them will I bring in. I'm not going to go and be where I'm supposed to be for the sake of my kids. Fine, I'll kill you and bring them in instead. Oh, it gets God upset when you said, I'm not going to do what I'm supposed to do for the sake of the, the children or whatever it is. God knows best where our family should be. And then dwell there, not in doubt. Them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness. You know, there's that old expression, right? When the, tough, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And I think that expression means they, they get going even though the going's tough. Not that when the going gets tough, the tough find, or find some other place to get going where it's less tough. <laughs> no, I, I think that the idea is be where you're supposed to be and by faith, trudge on. Press on. Enjoy being where you're supposed to be, knowing that God does know what he's talking about. What does he want? Build your home around that in faith. This world is so full of people who create gods for their pleasure. But it doesn't work that way, does it? The real God created us for his pleasure. So first, look to the Lord for, uh, for your leading, not circumstances. Secondly, live in the heart of the place you're supposed to be. <laughs> live in the heart of the place you're supposed to be. So if God wants, if God says, this is where I want you, live in, live in the center of God's will, not on the edge, not within sight of Egypt. Live in the center of God's will. Not, so what, what line is it, God, that I can't cross? Where is it? Oh, oh this one here? Okay. All right. I'll live here then because I'm not across the line, but I want to live right here. Ah, it's no way to live, living halfway to Egypt. So tonight, parents, and even young people, all of us, are you living halfway to Egypt? Are you living within sight of Egypt? It's no place to live. Um, find out where God wants you to be and live in the center of God's will. Not on the border of where God doesn't want you to be. Not within sight of this world. Aim for the middle. Beware 
parents, what you put in front of your family? Do they see all that they have in Christ? Or do they see all they're missing out on because they're Christians? What parents are we placing within sight of our kids? Oh, it should be that our kids are like, oh, there's no better life than to be a believer. Not, oh, I, all those things. When I turn 18, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to grab those things as quickly as I can. Be careful what we're putting in front of our young people. Live where you're supposed to be, not longing to be somewhere else. Lot, he was one, right? He went and, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. Uh, living on the edge, living within sight of where he shouldn't be. And, and soon enough, that's where he was. Again, uh, they're young men, Jacob and Esau. Esau that didn't seem to have a spiritual bone in his body. Rebecca, it says this of her in, in chapter 27, verse 46. I am weary of my life for the daughters of Heth. Esau that, 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 that ran and found, found these wives. Uh, didn't, didn't, didn't have any sense in putting together a home that would please God. And Oh, it was weary. It, it caused her to have weariness for her life. Mom herself was, was a deceiver. We see her, we see her deceiving all this home with this deception in here. We have to be so careful. God comes first in our homes. And by the way, back to that last point a little bit. When you parent in doubt, uh, uh, young people, young people are sinners. <laughs> The young people try to play mom and dad off each other. Young people try to play teacher and parent against each other. Whatever they can do. And boy, we've got to spend that time on our knees. We've got to be so close to the Lord. A young person that senses any of that doubt there will dangle carrots of relationship. Say, well, I have, I, I have a relationship with, with, with my child. It just, you know, and, and, and at least, but I, it, it requires some compromise. But at least I have that relationship. Oh, no. No compromise. Yes, have, have, have the best relationship you possibly can have with your children, but no compromise with the things that please God. Never. Amen. Don't live in doubt. Live in faith. And if you live in doubt, uh, young people will, will exploit that and, and, and God deliver. Young people, don't. Don't look, to, don't, don't look to play games. Everyone in the home looking to the Lord. Don't play those games where, where I'm going I'm to enjoy, if, if I'm going to have a relationship with you, you're going to have to give here and there has to be some compromises. No! Don't hope that your parents will compromise. Beg God to have your parents honor them, love them enough that, oh God, help them to be pleasing to you and never have to compromise to have a relationship with me. Never! Don't parent and doubt. Parents, be... Be careful uh, living within sight of Egypt. How much television do they have access to? Living within sight of Egypt. Movies. I like filters. 
I've used filters to, to watch movies. And, 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 I, and I, met, I, I was just asking somebody not long ago, hey, how, how does it work now? And, and, but, but how much living with inside of Egypt are you doing with the movies? Are you paying for, a, uh, paying for this service and paying for this description? Do you feel compelled to get your money's worth? And remember, those filters don't filter everything out. The world's philosophy is still in those movies. Be careful. Really watch living in sight of Egypt. The world's fashion Isaac's granddaughter, Dinah, uh, Genesis 34, 1, she goes out to see the daughters of the land. Be care the world's take on fashion. Uh, what, what it is. Uh, our, 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 be careful. Uh, and again, the, the, the sports figures, the soccer players, and pretty soon the, we, we, see, we see the, 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 the hair of the soccer players, uh, uh, this, this European soccer guy, and, and our young men. Why? why? Why the burning desire to look like some soccer player in Europe? Be careful living in sight of Egypt. And I'm guilty. I like to watch sports. I like to watch sports with Alec. And I, and I got to, hey, Alec, watch how, make sure that's not primary. Uh, the, 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 uh, all the games and all the things, it's fun to watch, but keep it, be careful. Don't be living. You're home. Say, Lord, tonight, say, God, am I living halfway to Egypt? Is my home halfway to Egypt? Is what we're, am I like Lot with my tent aimed at Sodom? Sure, I'm not down there yet, but is my tent aimed there? Oh, God, help us. Friends, be careful who your friends are. Living halfway to Egypt. Be careful of that music. Be careful of that music. That pretty soon the, the, the music that says uh, that your, your spiritual leadership is not your friend. The world is not so bad. Boy, music is powerful when it says those things. Immodesty, be careful of those things. Dinah, Isaac's granddaughter that went out to see the daughters of the land. I, I'm curious. What is this world up to? And boy, it, it draws their attention so quickly. Living halfway to Egypt, Lord, help us. Help us to be careful of those things. Thirdly, latch on to positive things about your dad. <laughs> so what did we say? We said, uh, look to the Lord for leading. Live in the middle of where you're supposed to be. And then latch on to positive things about your dad. <laughs> God comes to him and says, hey, let me tell you about your father. I know. He made some mistakes, didn't he? I know. You don't have to say any. Ah, every parent is imperfect. Especially Alex and Kate's and Claire's. Every parent is imperfect. But God in his wisdom gave you that parent. Are there positive things to honor and appreciate and copy? Are they sinners? That means they sin. Are there some things to say, Lord, I, I, I'm going to copy certain things and I'm not going to copy others. 
Now that old expression, what you do in moderation, your children will do in excess. <laughs> Why is that supposed to be a bad thing? It's like, a, oh no, I, I knock doors for one hour and, and try to, that, that means my children will probably go out and knock doors for three. Oh no, they'll, what I do, no. Why is it that <laughs> what you, the things that you let down on in moderation, they're going to take it to a whole new level in sin. Uh, well, Galatians 5.9, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. We want to be careful what's in our home. Uh, Rehoboam and Solomon. Uh, there, isn't it sad that in 1 Kings 12.11, uh, Rehoboam, of course, Solomon's son. And so Rehoboam comes to power. And uh, he says in 1 Kings 12, 11, Now, whereas my father did laid you with a heavy yoke, my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will be much kinder. That's not what he says, is it? My father was hard on you, and I'm going to be worse. Oh, why does it have to be like that? It doesn't have to be that way. God comes to Isaac and says, Listen, <laughs> your father... Those five things he obeyed. And then those four areas where he kept his word, his, his commandment, his charge, his statute, all those things. Listen, there were good things about your dad to copy. Copy those. Don't look at any times of faithlessness and say, oh, that's my excuse. That's my golden ticket to live a life of failure and sin. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Obedience brings blessing. God said, your dad obeyed my voice and I blessed him for it. And if you'll obey, there's blessing for you as well. Revelation 1.3 says, Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. So it seems to be almost a, a, a little bit of a specific uh, blessing here uh, for the book of Revelation. When you, if you read the book of Revelation and keep those things, God has a blessing. But then later on in Revelation 22, 14, it seems to be a little more general. He says, blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Listen, your father obeyed me. Copy that. Oh, it should have been. Uh, he should have been so prepared, right? A pep talk from God. And they say, uh, who is this woman? She's my wife. Boy, well, the story would have gone a bit differently. And it would have been nice if he wasn't there at all. Because he didn't head to Philistia. Because he looked to the Lord. Instead of taking matters into his own hand. Abraham had obeyed God in some amazing ways. And leaving Ur of the Chaldees. That was pretty amazing. Hey, hey, uh, your father did some amazing. He obeyed me. He did some wonderful things. The Ur of the Chaldees. He obeyed my voice and he left. And he headed out into a, into a land. And he didn't know whether, where he was going. But all he knew was that I wanted him to move. And so he moved. Your father listened to my voice and did right things. Can you copy that? Your father took you to the top of the Mount Moriah. Quite possibly the hardest thing that he ever had to do 
And he would have thought about those times that Isaac, my, my joy, the one that brought us such joy and laughter into my home. And God wants me to take him up onto this mountain and slay him. And even though, humanly speaking, it doesn't seem like it should have been possible for him to obey, he did. Isaac, your father did that because I was that important to him. Stop finding times of faithlessness and copying those. Can't you see the times of obedience and faith? And copy those instead. Five things. Obeyed God's voice and kept God's charge and commandments and statutes and laws. Abraham lived a life that was aimed at those things that mattered to God. And God blesses such a life. God gave the same charge to Israel over 500 years later in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy 11.1, 1, God says, Therefore thou shalt love the Lord thy God and keep his charge and his statutes and his judgments and his commandments alway. Alway. Boy, the seed promise was huge. And now for a third time, God shows how the, the patriarchs weren't careful enough with their wives. The ones who are going to bear the seed, the precious seed that would eventually uh, bring forth the very Son of God. Aren't you glad that God's power shone through despite man's weaknesses? So we see, uh, look to the Lord for leading. Uh, live in the middle of where God wants you to be. Latch on to the positive things about your parents and copy those. And then lastly, lying will often be the result of doing things our own way. So again, don't do things your own way. Abimelech comes to him and, and says, why would you lie to me? Why would you lie to me? And really, when we start to tackle life on our own, things fall apart. We, we find that we're, we're leaving God out of the equation. We're manufacturing solutions that are awful, including outright deception. And you say, well, I'm above those things. Well, here's a patriarch that wasn't. Another part of that model prayer, right? Deliver me from evil. Lord, help me. Help me to steer. Uh, lead us not into temptation. Deliver me from evil, Lord. I'm capable of some awful things. Lord, help me. Help me to be careful with these areas. Are we above these things? Well, here's a patriarch that wasn't. In, 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 a, in a certain sense, Abimelech says, one of my men might have lightly taken your wife. One of my, would have lightly taken, and that word lightly, lightly, that jumped out to me. The, the idea that here he's being, so, he's being so light about deeply spiritual things. 
deeply spiritual things, all of humanity was going to enjoy a blessing because of the seed that would come through his home. Deeply spiritual things he's taking very lightly. Does it make you wonder then, is that where Esau got it from? Where spiritual things didn't matter to him? Is that where Esau got it from? He was a profane man. He counted nothing sacred. Spiritual things didn't mean a thing to him. Well, where did that come from? Could part of that be a dad that messed around with deeply spiritual things? Lying will often be the result of doing things our own way. Well, I'm glad that God steps in, aren't you? Let's look at this for just a minute. So um, here he is. And so finally in verse 16, Genesis 26, 16, Abimelech says to Isaac, go from us. For thou art much mightier than we. And so God's going to nudge Isaac back to where he's supposed to be. So go from us. And uh, verse 17, Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. In verse 18, he's, he's, dil- he's digging wells. And then there's more problems with the Philistines. And then verse 22, down there. And he removed from thence. So he moves again. God's nudging him back to where he's supposed to be. He, he removed from thence and digged another well. Uh, and then verse 23, finally, he went up from thence to Beersheba. God getting him back to where he should be, in the center of his will, not within sight of this world. And the Lord appeared unto him, verse 24, the same night, and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee, and I will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And he builded an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants digged a well. God nudged him back to where he was supposed to be. Well, some lessons from the life of the one they called laughter. Look to the Lord for leading, not circumstances. Live in the center of where God wants you to be. Latch on to the positive things about your parents. And copy those Don't use their times of faithlessness as an excuse to live a life that's not pleasing to God. Lying will often be the result of of trying to do things your own way. And I'm so glad that God came into the picture and nudged him back to where he was supposed to be. And so tonight, mom, dad, young person, Are you living within sight of Egypt? Are you living halfway to Egypt? Oh, God tonight wants to nudge you back to where you're supposed to be. And may it be that it's not a long time. Because when you spend those lengthy times within sight of Egypt, it has an effect on your home. Does God want to do some nudging tonight? Nudging you back to where you're supposed to be where you can build that altar and restore that communion with Almighty God once again. All lessons from the life of the one they called laughter. It it got a hold of me and hopefully it was a help to someone here tonight. Let's pray. 
Lord, 